Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Talks about this buried body, Jesus, in the next breath. And I can't help but go back to uh, one early morning in March 2010. Uh, we just finished having our, um, like, uh, staff and our interns and everything meeting. And everybody was going their separate ways. And a couple minutes later, some of the interns came running in. Pastor, pastor, come, come. And so I go outside and... Um, Lying on the sidewalk beside his bicycle was a 15-year-old kid. And um, so I reached down, checked if there's pulse, and uh, he was the same temperature, which is cold at that time of the year, as the sidewalk, and there was no pulse. And uh, the intern said to me, Pastor, pray for him. And I must admit that that was a different thought for me. Sorry, but um, I wasn't thinking, okay, I'm going to, but, but I did. I just prayed a simple prayer, and I'll never forget this. Um, and the paramedics came, and his, his, um, his core temperature was 17 degrees Celsius, which your blood does not flow at 17 degrees Celsius. But I prayed for him, and <gasps> I took a breath, <laughs> and he's still alive today. But um, So I can't, listening to that song, I can't help but think of that. You know, there's miracles and so many things that God wants to do for us. And I've maybe told that story four or five times in my life. Some people think when that happens, that's all you're going to tell. No, no, no. There's so many things that God has for us. And so I love your church. I love your pastors. I love it. I get to be on the advisory board and keep your pastors on the straight and narrow. It's actually really good that we have that. It's called, it's called accountability, and we all need it. And it's, it's important in, in a world where a lot of us are wondering, you know, where's the accountability? And as a result of wondering about a few people, we've, we've kind of painted everybody with the same brush. And let me just tell you from a very personal point of view, you have, there's many great pastors and great churches in this world. And your pastors are, are one of them. Really, I love their family. I love, I love you as a church. You're one of the best churches on the planet, really. You really are. I'm not just saying that. You need to know that. But a church isn't about the building and all the stuff. It's you guys. And it's you guys that are... Oh, I took the wrong mic. It's you guys that are actually leaning into God week after week after week. And so what I want to share with you today is really a lot of it is just opening up and showing you that, man, I ain't perfect in any way. I'm dealing with stuff like all of us are dealing with stuff. And God has answers, okay? If you were to put one word over our world today, it would be anxiety. We live in such an anxious world and there's a number of things that that has brought out that's been positive. There's a lot more attention given to um, mental anguish, which is 
we deal with, everybody does personally and corporately. We've definitely seen that in the last little while. Um, but the Bible does give us some great answers to it. One of the things I want you to understand, though, is anxiety is not a head issue as much as it's a heart issue. And so if you ever heard my wife preach or get around her and you're dealing with stuff, say you're dealing with somebody in your world that's really tough to deal with. I won't have a show of hands, but mine will go up. Um, and you'd ask her, what should I do? And she'd say, you have one job, just one, keep your heart right. And it comes from her favorite verses, Proverbs 4.23. says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Everything flows from that. So keep your heart right. And God really does have answers to that. Um, I love Eugene Peterson, the Message Bible. And he says things that really, you don't need to have somebody interpret it and preach it for you. Just read it. It preaches itself. Matthew chapter 5 let me read you a, a few words that, verses. These are words that Jesus spoke. In verse 43, he says, you're familiar with the old written law, love your friend and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Listen to this. Let them bring out the best, not the worst in you. Do you know that God actually has a purpose for some of those enemies? Some of those people that you think are crazy and nuts and, and why do I have to put up with you? It's because God wants to bring out the best, not the worst in you. Down to verse 48, I love this. Uh, um, he says, in a word, what I'm saying is grow up. <laughs> oh, me. You gotta let this sometime preach to you. It preaches to me a lot. Grow up. He says, your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. Oh. That doesn't mean living, living graciously and generously towards the ones that are nice, the ones that you can figure out, the ones that make you feel good. No. It's, it's everybody. And we have such a culture today, you know? The whole cancel culture. What is that? I don't have to deal with anybody. Which means you're going to stay in the same old, same old. You know, just the way you are. Actually, it's quite a blessing to have challenges. <laughs> so when you talk about anxiety, people say, what is anxiety? And sometimes the easiest way for me to figure out what something is is look at what the opposite is. And Philippians chapter 4, Paul actually writes and gives us a good understanding of what not being anxious is. In verse 6, in the Amplified, it says, Do not be anxious, worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And here it is, the peace of God. The peace which reassures our heart. That peace which transcends all understanding. That peace which stands guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus is yours. So the opposite of anxiety is peace. And the peace that, that comes from God actually will do the battle on your behalf. It'll stand guard around your heart and mind. 
And so we need that today. Do we ever need that today? I need it. How do you do that? Well, the things that you don't have figured out, just take it to God. As we take it to God and and we give it to him, then he gives us the peace and he goes to, to battle on our behalf. There's a place that we can get to in our world, in our life, today and every day. And I think most importantly, in the most difficult days, difficult times, and we've had that lately, um, that really gives us this true place of rest, this place where we can live the way we want to, freely and lightly. And Eugene Peterson, again, says it so well in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. You might have heard this in other translations, but listen to it. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? So many people today, I've had enough. (laughs) Come to me, Jesus is talking. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. It's not like getting something you didn't have. No, you'll actually get back what you had. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Okay, a lot of people, I need to go on vacation. And then you, you get home, I need a vacation from my vacation. Anybody? Yeah. I'll show you how to get a real rest. It's not about where you are, not about what's going on out there. It's about in here. He says, walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced, I love this, unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And when I read that, uh, I, I, I played the band for years. I played accordion. Yeah. I saw that laugh. I bet you you can't play accordion. It takes a multi-talented I'm sorry, but anyway, I've, I've played in a band for years. Any, any musicians in the room, um, when it said the rhythms, you, you have to be able to think right there. What's a rhythm? Well, if you're a drummer, you know what a rhythm is. It's a beat, rest. Beat, rest. There's no rhythm without the rest. But when you get it right and the whole band is in the same sync, whole band is in the rhythm, what that's called in a band or in music is called being in the pocket. It's like you're in this place where, like, you could go forever. Like, there's just, it's so easy. There's no, there's no work involved. You're in the pocket. And, and actually, Jesus says there is a place like that. And it's called the rhythms of grace, where everything is going the way it needs to go. And there's a rhythm that we get in. And I think a lot of people got out of rhythm. Really, a lot of people have got out of the rhythms of life. My daughter, Angela, is our lead pastor and she's been, um, she, she actually took us through like three months of doing a series on the rhythms of life. And the rhythms of life is, is like when COVID first hit, the medical world was, was telling us one of the biggest problems you have is your rhythms got knocked out. 
You need to get back in the place where you, you feel like you're in sync, you're in rhythm, everything's, everything's you know, the way it's supposed to be because it makes life a lot easier. But when you're out of rhythm and you have to figure out every step that you take, you can't take what you used to and what, there's, there's a lot of the old um, subconscious trained ways of thinking and doing that we can't trust on anymore. It makes life so challenging and so difficult. So here he's telling us that this is how you do it. You get back into the unforced rhythms of grace. So if we look at our world today and it's um, dealing with anxiety. What is anxiety? Well, we know what the opposite is. But I think that the way to understand it clearly is anxiety is a loss of control. A loss of control. When you figure you can't control what's going on. And there's two things about control that you need to understand. Number one, it's an illusion. If you think you're in control, you are under an illusion. And I think if anything these last couple of years has taught us is the truth. You think you got it all figured out? Let me just throw a little virus in there. We'll just knock everything out. The second thing about control is... People try to build a life of control so they don't need God. Hmm. It's happened ever since the garden, ever since the beginning. And what we do is we control everything. Like, for instance, you have this control structure in your brain, which I would call a stronghold. We all have strongholds. And the stronghold is, is, is everything that fits in to how we can understand, how we can reason, how we can figure it out, how we figure that we've got, we, we, we got this. Let me just encourage you, never get to the place where you got this. Because you don't. But when we get inside that, we feel like we're safe. And that's what strongholds are about. Strongholds are about building walls to keep out the unknown potentially dangerous, and keep in the known. And in our world today, um, we gather together to build strongholds. Strongholds of governments. You know, don't worry, because the government will look after this. Hello. <laughs> strongholds of education. Strongholds even of church. Really. We have the, the place where, where, where we can, if we just do everything we're supposed to do, you know, sing the songs without making a mistake, preach the message, which is ABC, and, and this and this, this it, we're fine. We're controlled. And, and there are some churches, not this one, but there are some churches that you can have a great service. And did God show up? I don't know. It doesn't matter. We got a great service. What is that? It's this, I don't want to have to rely on God. And actually, that is secular humanism. Your God isn't God, it's you. And it's us corporately together. And we can never get to that place because there is a place of safety in him. The Bible tells us that we run into his stronghold, which is a strong tower named Jesus. And in him, we're safe in him. He looks after everything that we don't understand. As long as we learn to run into him. And in him doesn't mean everything out there is going perfect. 
No, when everything out there is not going perfect, you need to have it in you that's perfect, in him. We're safe, we're protected. Because you know this life has got junk. Hello? If you haven't gone through really, really, really tough times, just wait, it's coming. This life's got stuff. But in him, we're safe. That's really the issue. Anxiety is this illusion of control. And outside of that illusion, we feel like we haven't got it all figured out. You need to understand that anxiety feeds on anxiety. So when you get in that place of anxious, what you're looking for is anxious. And the more crazy things you hear, the more you gobble up more crazy things and you end up with a world that's gone crazy. And I won't have to say a lot about it. You all know of people that are crazy. Sorry, I should, my, my wife told me, don't say that word crazy. Okay, people that have lost their minds. <laughs> you know, we end up with things called fake news. We got, we got scary scenarios, you know, of people that really their motive is so evil. And we need to understand that God is our answer in the middle of all. There's this great book that I would encourage you. It's written by um, Mark Sayers, and it's called A Non-Anxious Presence in a World That's Full of Anxiety. You know what your friends that are anxious going through it need? They need you to be non-anxious. And there's only one place to get that non-anxious presence. It's in his presence. In his presence. Yeah, stuff's happening. But we got it. In him. In him. Last time I was here, I talked about the enemy's plan to divide and conquer. Still the same. Has always been, always will be. And if you find yourself on one side or the other of whatever issue, he wins. Don't do that. Don't write people off. Don't cancel culture people. Don't be on one side or the other. Just recognize we're all going through stuff. And like Eugene says, grow up. Become more like Jesus. So let me talk about me for a bit, okay? Because, man, I'm dealing with stuff. Uh, a few weeks ago, I went to a, a, a pastor's retreat in Charleston, South Carolina. And a friend of mine, Greg Surratt, who's the president of ARC in the States, actually started ARC, you know, thousands of churches being planted, um, built this great, crazy, great church, Seacoast, thousands, tens of thousands. And um, he told me this pastor's retreat, which has about, I think they have 15, 16 guys. He says, this is the best thing I've ever done in all my life. So I'm like, okay, I've got to check this out. So I went, and I got there a day early, and so one of the leaders um, put me up in his house, so I stayed in his house, and there was another pastor that got there a day early. Let's just call him Dave. And um, he's staying in the house too, and I just have to really confess, I could not stand this guy. Every time he opened his mouth, my inside voice was saying, shut up. 
I'm not proud of that. I'm not. But it's true. And we get to this, this um, pastor's retreat, and there's no agenda other than everyone has to be at the table at night. And after we have dinner, they got to stay and we got to talk. Everybody gets a chance to say a little bit, except for Dave. He didn't say a little bit. He just went on and on and on. And, and I have a real problem of keeping it inside. And so what you could see on the outside to me would be uh, rolling my eyes. Some of the guys saw that. And um, anyway, but Greg Surratt, who runs the place, was just so gracious. He just listened, you know. And after he listened over and over and over and over again, which I think this guy's never really done anything. And so why, why are you talking? You know, that's basically what's going on inside of me. But Greg's listening to this guy. And then afterwards, oh, that's so good. Can we pray for you? And I'm wondering, how do you do that? It's confession time, everybody. Sorry. And afterwards, I'm talking to Greg. And I'm basically asking him, how do you do that? And he said, oh, don't worry. We've had lots of guys like that here. He says, watch after four days what happens. When everybody opens up and, and just lets this guy feel like he's part of the group, um, you watch him change. And so I stepped back and I just watched. And after four days, sure enough, this guy had totally changed but he wasn't the most changed person. I was. And I walked away from that time together, just understanding some things about myself and some things that, that I'm tempted to do when I'm in the company of somebody that bugs me. None of you do, but if, if you got somebody in your world, maybe this is you. Um, and so things that I'm tempted to do and I'm trying not to. Three things. Number one, judge. I'm tempted to judge, like I, I told you. I'm judging this guy. Who have you done? What have you? You know, the only way you can judge is when you think you're better. It's impossible to judge unless you think you're better than this person. And how stupid am I to think I'm better than anybody? And yet, that's, that's the bottom line of judging. So I'm, I'm trying not to. One of the things that I've tried to, 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 to build into my life for years has been the understanding that when it comes to any other human being, I can't judge you. Why? Because I've never walked in your shoes. So when it comes to every other human being, my attitude is this. I know I'm ignorant, but I don't want to be stupid. Okay? There's a difference. Ignorance is I don't know. Stupid is I think I do know or I don't want to know. So when it comes down to this guy, just don't, don't, don't judge. The second thing that I'm tempted to do is avoid. I don't know about you, but there's some people I just don't want to talk to. You know, they say that pastors, the biggest, the thing you'll deal with most as a pastor is rejection. Like, you know, I planted our church 36 years ago and we have... I don't know how many hundreds or whatever, many, many church people in our church, but we've got probably 10 times more that are not in our church that used to be in our church. And so when I walk through the mall, which I don't like doing because of who's there, 
and I see so-and-so that used to come but not coming, I'm going to duck into the store <laughs> and avoid. My wife is amazing. She has made a decision years ago that she will never avoid anybody. And if she feels like avoiding someone, that's exactly who she's going to. And it's not like she goes to them and says, can we be best friends? Can we just pick up where we left off? No, she says, how are you? And just, you know, really does want to know how good this person is doing and everything and, and, and move on. And I just think that's so, avoid, so, so, so amazing. But for me, it's the opposite. I just, I feel like, you know, if I don't have to deal with you. But the bottom line is, if I don't deal with that person, I'm the one that pays the price. Because the people that change me the most are not the ones that I like. Comfortable, let's just keep everything the way it is. It's just the opposite. It's the people that are challenging. And isolation in any way, form, or shape is not healthy. I don't know if they told that to people in the government, but it's not healthy. We need each other. One of the things that... Um, Angela in our church is kind of, she's got these values that we deal with. One of our key values is we value alignment over agreement. And today we've got a lot of people that, that I can't walk with you because I don't agree on everything. Hello? Really, we're never going to agree on everything. I've been married to Helen for 48 years and we don't agree on everything. I must admit, I'm right on everything, but she doesn't know. <laughs> Not really, but <laughs> she's usually right, but we don't agree. You don't have to agree. Alignment is we're going together. Agreement is we got everything figured out. We'll never get there. But in our world today, we don't like disagreement, so we cancel culture, get rid of everybody, and actually, God wants us and needs us to be together. Number three, the third thing is correcting. I just want to like to correct them. Oh, they are so off base. They're so wrong. Let me tell you what's right. You know, when you do that, you don't help that person. You actually feed, feed the problem. Think about social media. Someone posts something that you don't like that is totally wrong it's like, like, what planet did you come from? And you think you're going to fix it by getting on social media and arguing with that person. Do you know what, the, what actually happens? You feed the algorithm. That what they said becomes more powerful than before. And social media is just an example of, of personal, you know. And so let's stop trying to correct everybody I said some nice things about my wife, and let me tell you, and she'll let me tell you this. You know, we got some people in our world that are really close to us that kind of lost their mind, you know, and you think, what? And so she's just thought it her job to correct them. And I keep saying to her, Helen, shut up. <laughs> They're not listening. You're just feeding the problem. <laughs> it's the truth. Really, um, you know, we all like to live in agreement with the people in agreement. It's called silos. We all have our silos that we live in. 
The only people that we hang out with are the people that agree with us on everything. And social media has really helped that out. They, they have algorithms that, that will only allow you to see what you like to see. And really when we correct other people, we don't fix the problem, we make the problem worse. I read a book not too long ago because I'm 69 and uh, I don't, I kind of confess in the first service, I'll tell you, you know, every once in a while there's a few dropouts. You don't know what I mean? It's like, I don't remember that. Uh, like, um, what did I say? <laughs> and so I was reading a book on, on um, getting a little bit older and what happens to your brain. And, and uh, you know, if you know anybody like that, one of the things they tell you not to do is don't try to correct them. So please don't try to correct me when I forget something. Because the reason I forget it is you've got anxiety. You've you got some mental anguish going on. And when you correct them, you add to it. And so in a general basis, I'm just trying not to do that anymore. So let me tell you what I am trying to do. We've all heard the saying that you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Well, it's just the opposite. Really, just the opposite. I think that we're not heavenly minded enough. And I think the more heavenly minded we get, the more earthly good we become. Why? Because heavenly minded is bigger than this earthly minded. It's forever and ever and ever. And so there's things that I'm working on in my life. And I would encourage you, you know, know what you're working on. Make a list if you can on yourself. This is my list, okay? Number one is <clears throat> I'm working on heavenly deposits. I love this. My, my wife said to me a little while ago, she said, if I die before you, which is kind of morbid, but, uh, you know, she says, there's two songs I want at my funeral. One is the goodness of God, you know, all my life. You've been faithful. The second one is no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Last night I got to my room and I had, yeah, I had a few hours before going to sleep. And, you know, you could, what, what, what are you going to do, watch TV or whatever? You know what I did? did? I sat there and listened to worship. These are the songs I listened to and cried. And no one ever cared for me like Jesus. She loves this song for many reasons, but her favorite part of the song says, let my children tell their children. Let this be their memory that all my treasure was in heaven and you were everything to me. All my treasure. You see, we're laying up treasure. We're making deposits. Not in this life but for all eternity. Let my children tell their children that all my treasure is in heaven. Every day I get up thinking, what, can, what deposits can I make? You know, and if, if what you do makes a deposit into this world, it doesn't go to that one. It's what leaves our hand that enters our forever. Every day we get to do that. Secondly, I'm working on my heavenly perspective. What do you mean? I'm working on seeing what can't be seen. So often we get caught up just looking at what is. 
But what we see is so little of the picture. There's so much more. Okay, this room's full of angels. Can't see them, can you? Just learn to see what can't be seen. Remember Elisha praying for his servant? God opened his eyes because then he'd know why I'm, I'm not stressed. He opened the eyes of his servant. He could see the, the hills were covered with chariots of fire. God, open our eyes. Open our eyes to see what you see. Number three, I'm working on heaven's leading. What's heaven's leading? It's that still small voice. He promises to lead us. You know, we have part of our brain called the reticular activating system, which actually it's amazing, but it allows us to tune in to certain voices. Like for instance, if you're a parent and your, your child is in a room with like 30 other children and they're all making noise, you can hear your child. Above all the others, you can hear yours. It's just amazing. But you know how your brain tunes in? It's not a function of your brain. It's a function of your heart. It's a function of, of this heart that, that goes out to that child such that you can actually pick that child out. Well, my desire is to, to have that same for his voice. When there's noise all around me, I want to hear his still, small voice. What's God saying to you? When's the last time you heard God saying to you? And let, let me encourage you, if you've heard God saying to you, why don't you tell somebody? And you don't have to do it like this. God said. No. See, when you say, when, when you come to me and say, God told me to do this, you just cut me out of the picture. So instead, come to me and say, I think I hear the voice of God saying, what do you think? And building that into your life is going to be the greatest, the greatest thing you can do for this life. Number four is God's callings. I'm, I'm wanting to see what God sees in people. And every one of us, he's put something on the inside of us where there's a calling in our lives. And we need to see that. We need to see that. Why? Because it can be so powerful. Let me say, if you're a parent, don't, especially if you've got teenagers, stop trying to tell them what to do instead of tell them who they are. Tell them what you see. Tell them the callings, the giftings on the inside of them. And then with those tools, they'll decide what to do. And one of the things I've been encouraging parents, and I really think this is important, I wish I knew that when, when I was younger. I wish somebody old like me came to me when I was younger and told me this. If you've got more than one child, ask them to help you. Help them see in their siblings the callings of God. Okay, ask your child, okay, what do you see in him or her? What callings do you see? Because when they start seeing the callings in each other, you know what comes down? Those walls called sibling rivalry. And now they become part of the sibling cheerleading. And it, it sometimes is a louder voice than yours. Because kids expect you to say the good things. But they don't expect their siblings. 
And the last thing is heaven's language. You know what heaven's language is? It's prayer. But it's more than just talking prayer. It's relationship. Heaven's language. Relationship. Helen and I have been married for 48 years. And sometimes we're saying volumes to each other, but we're not even talking. I remember when I fell in love with her. I was 18. And I had this dream that we'd get married and grow old together. It's really weird. You're 18 thinking of growing old. But really, that was my dream. I'd, and one of the things that could capture the, the picture of my dream was, and I said this many times over the years, I said, you know, one day we're going to be in our 80s. And I can see us walking down the street, holding hands, saying nothing but saying volumes. That's what relationship is. When I talk about heaven's language, I'm talking about that relationship. People say to me, I wish I had a better prayer life. Then I ask them, how's your relationship with God? Oh, really good. Well, then you have a good prayer life. Stop limiting your prayer life to, to vocal. And start recognizing your prayer life is so much bigger than that. Really what this is all about is just heaven's relationship with God. So I told enough of my stories. How are you doing? Out of all those things, what are you working on? Anything? Is there any challenges you have? We would do each other a disservice if we came comfortable and left comfortable. If you came comfortable, I hope I made you a little discomfortable. And if you came discomfortable, I hope I made you a little comfortable. That's all we get to do for each other. Can I pray for you? Could you just bow your heads, close your eyes, take a moment, just you and God. Let me ask you, what are you working on? What are the challenges? Maybe you can think of somebody that, a Dave in your world. I'd love to just ask God to help you in that area. Let me. Father, I thank you for every person here. I thank you, Lord, for the things that you know that we're working on and we're dealing with. Thank you that even some of the words that I spoke, you've used them. Some things you've said all on your own, but you, you're pointing out for every one of us how we could be more like Jesus. I pray for your strength, Holy Spirit, your ability in every person to walk out of here with a, with a desire to actually change. We don't have to be the same. If you're here and your relationship with God is not what it could be, not what it should be, you know it, God knows it, don't leave like that. It always takes a choice, just a choice, your choice. And I'd love to pray with you. Maybe you've never asked Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord. I give you my life. I need you. Then today's your day. Or maybe you say, I remember the day when, when I did have 
My relationship was good, but you know, today there's, it's not what it used to be. You walked away and there's a distance between you and God. It just takes a choice to turn around and get back to where you are. And I'd love to pray a prayer for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up or come to the front or anything. But it is your choice. Just so I know who I'm praying for. If that's you, heads bowed all over the room. And you say, include me in that prayer. Just slip your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All over the room, thank you, thank you. You're not putting it up for me, really. You're just putting it up because you're saying, you're making the choice for God. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing better than a relationship with him. He's so good. No one ever cared for you like he does. All right, you can put your hands down. I'm going to invite everyone in the room to pray this little prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. He's here. I'll help you. I'll give you the words. Would you just say this to God? Everyone say this, Lord Jesus. I believe in you. You're the son of God. You died on that cross because you love me to take my place. Right now, I invite you be the Lord of my life. I give you my everything. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap, church. God bless you. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.